0: Alright, go to Romans chapter twelve, Romans chapter twelve, verse one and two. And tonight I'm going to begin a short series of messages. I'm probably only going to maybe do three messages on this subject on the next few Sunday nights. But it's interesting, Brother Netterville actually touched on some of this last Sunday night, and I had been planning on preaching a few messages on this subject. It's a very unpopular subject. A uh, subject that you will not hear preached about in a lot of church, churches, and even a lot of Baptist churches today, and that is the subject of biblical standards. You know, everybody gets scared and tense, right? Yeah, no, no, you all like preaching around here. You aren't afraid of the truth, and uh, I want to I want to preach some messages on this because it is important. And there are there's people out there they don't think it's important. Uh, they, they don't want to talk about it. and if you do talk about standards, they'll start calling you name like legalists and stuff. and, and that's not fair and that's not right. Uh, we definitely are not that. But um, you know tonight I want to mostly talk about you know what standards are and just expectations uh, of standards, the expectations, one from God uh, is one of them we're going to look at, the expectations of the lost and expectations. From the church, and people do. They get real nervous when you start talking about standards because there's one particular subject that everybody gets real nervous about, especially. Oh, please don't bring up dress standards, right? That's the one that everybody's scared of. Oh, please don't talk about dress standards. But listen, uh, you know it's not that complicated of a subject, and it's not something that we ought to be ought to be scared of, and it's not as confusing as people make it out to be. And we're not going to uh, talk about dress standards specifically tonight. Uh, we're going to wait till next week. I'm going to let you sweat it out for a week and worry about it and figure out excuses for why you cannot not be here next week. Uh, no, don't do that. Um, I, the, the reason people, too, are so nervous when it comes to this subject is a lot of times preachers are real good at getting up and yelling about what you're doing wrong and telling you what you should do, but they're not always real good at giving you Bible answers for that. And people don't know how to answer it. And they are scared to death. You know, what am I going to do if I go out in public and somebody notices that I'm dressed a little different? What am I going to say? You know How am I going to explain to people why I dress this way without making me look like you know, a complete weirdo? And you know what? There are some answers uh, for this. And I want to help you with those. Uh, that way you can have confidence and you can know that hey, this standard that I have, it's a biblical standard. Uh, God's pleased with my standard, and I know why I have the standard. And so uh, I think I've got some great answers for you. Um, that but we're gonna let you wait until next week on those because there are some things that we need to cover first to help us in this area. But in Romans chapter 12, uh verse one and two, uh well known passage of scripture. I haven't even I forgot to turn there. Romans chapter twelve, verse one and two, it says I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We ought to be able to prove. okay, And prove from the Bible what is good. What is that perfect will of God? What's acceptable to God? Some things that many Christian people are doing today, I do not believe is acceptable. One of the things that we'll probably talk about maybe next week too. I want to get the two most sensitive subjects: one, dress standards, and the next one, music. Oh, you know, you're going to hit dress and music. Everybody's going to be gone next week. You know, don't go there. No, we're going to do it, and I'm thinking about maybe covering both of those next week. But there is music that's going on in churches today that I believe is completely unacceptable. I do not believe that God is honored by it one bit. I do not believe that uh, He is pleased in any way, and I do believe that it is completely unacceptable. And so, God wants us to be able to prove these things, okay? And so, how can we prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? And we can prove it. You know, we're supposed to prove it from the Bible, okay? And so, what is a standard? And you know the definition of a standard is that which is established by sovereign power as a rule or measure by which others are to be adjusted, okay? Now I don't know where it's at, but I've heard that somewhere in America there is the what you would call the perfect foot, all right? Or you know the foot of measurement. Somewhere some people got together and they decided, "Okay, this is a foot." And this is a yard and all other rulers, I guess you could say, you know, 12 inch rulers, you know, they all go off of what that perfect foot is somewhere. I don't know where it is. <laughs> okay. You know, and obviously, uh, you know, they did not get it from that, but they got it from a copy of that. And we do have in this country, we have standard weights, they're standard measurements that We go off of that way if somebody says, hey, you know, I need something that's, you know, 12 feet long, we can't all have our own idea of what a foot is, can we? Because then other things are going to start getting messed up. Certain things aren't going to be fitting. If there's a factory and they're making one part for something and another factory is making another part, if they're not going off the same standard of measurement, then there's going to be a real problem, isn't there? And so that is what a standard is—that something that we that we measure off of, something that we go by. And listen, there are, when we're gonna when we'll talk about some of these things, there are some things in the Bible that we don't actually have a physical standard that we can look at. For example, Noah's Ark. Okay, it was what was it three hundred cubits long? Okay, well, how if you ask people how long is a cubit, what do they usually say? Well, about eighteen inches. You know, it's usually the length from the elbow to the fingertip. Well, whose elbow and whose fingertip? Okay, because yeah, because yeah, yeah, Noah's right. But we don't know how long Noah's elbow and his fingertip was. And you know, and they say the creation's people that they were taller back then. So maybe a cubit was twenty inches back then, and Noah's ark was bigger than we think. You know, we don't know. There's there's all kinds of measurements that we see in the Bible, but we don't have an actual physical standard somewhere that we can look at. And so, I'm not going to get up here and say, "All right, Noah's Ark was 450 feet long." And you know, if you deny that or if you doubt that, you're you're not a Bible believer. Well, I can't say that for sure. I can say it. You know, the Bible says it's 300 cubits long. But we don't have a perfect standard of measurement to go off of that, do we? We don't know that God used the 18 inches for a cubit like we do today. So, you know, we, you know, it's it's not positive. And for example, too, when it comes to the dress standards, okay, God did not outline exactly what our clothing, you know, what type of clothing we're supposed to wear, okay. There are certain things about clothing that we're going to look at that are very clear, but it's, but you know what about certain name brands, you know, it doesn't say anything about that. You know what about certain styles and colors? We the Bible does not have pictures in it of certain clothing that's acceptable. It doesn't have a certain standard, and so sometimes as a church, sometimes as a family or whatever, we have to. Make some standards ourselves. We have to draw these things ourselves in areas where the Bible is not specific, but that's what a standard is. Or another definition is that which is established as a rule or model by the authority of public opinion or by respectable opinions or by custom or general consent as writings which are admitted to be the standard of style and taste. So, you know, we have all kinds of standards for things in this country. There are standards for movie ratings, okay? Now, we know those standards really aren't that good, do we? You know, well, if there's so many cuss words, uh, you know, it's got to be rated, you know, if it's only a couple, we can go rated PG. But if it's, you know, seven cuss words, I don't know what the number is, we got to go PG-13. And if it's certain words, you know, there's all kinds of things like that that have been made. Those are just standards. You know, you can only have this much nudity in it or it's going to be rated R. And, you know, only people under 17 can't come see it without their parents and you're not going to make as much money. You know, so they clean the movie up a little bit, and then they sell it later on DVD with all the bad stuff. You know, and that, that but um, but there, are, there's all kinds of standards. So that's what a standard is. Okay, it's uh, it's like a, it's something that we go off of. Okay, something that's uh, something that's clear. And so when it comes to standards, okay, across the board, what does God Expect because whenever there is preaching about standards, where everybody gets nervous, is like, okay, what is now expected of me? And, and and sadly, many times too, they're not thinking about what does God expect, but what does the preacher expect? Okay, do not do that. All right, please don't go off my standards. Okay, uh, you know, don't just do things because I preach it and I say it. Don't do it to please me. Okay, God is the chief shepherd. He is your God. He is the one you're supposed to be. Pleasing, and don't try to please, don't don't just seek to please me and think I'm good. All right, but I'm going to tell you right now: if you think my standards are higher than God's, uh, you're probably going to be mistaken. Okay, because what does God expect? And let's look at the Bible to see what God expects concerning your standards. Well, first, and first of all, we see He expects complete obedience to His word, doesn't He? Revelation twelve, one. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice holy. Y'all see that? Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Hey, man, I mean if you just if you give your whole life to God, if you live in complete obedience to Him, if you lay down your life for God, okay. You don't get a, you know, a heavenly medal of honor you know, for going above and beyond the call of duty. You know what you've done? You've done your reasonable service. And God expects that from us. God expects us to do whatever He tells us to do, doesn't He? God expects that from us. That's His expectation. When we fail, though... Well, what about when I fail? Well, when we fail, thankfully, we do have an advocate. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says, My little children, these things write I unto you, "...that ye sin not." Okay, God is never okay with sin. It's never justifiable. He said, these things are right unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous. And He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him." But whoso keepeth His word, in Him verily is the love of God perfected, hereby we know that we are in Him. So God expects us to obey His commandments, doesn't He? And if we sin, you're not going to hell because you sinned. If you're saved and you go and you mess up, you fall short, you're not going to hell because we have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. He paid for your sins, but understand here that God does not expect us to sin. God's expectations are that we sin not. Okay, That's why He gave us His Word. That's why He told us to do certain things and not to do certain things. It's not just so we would know we're not supposed to do them or not. It's so we would not do those things. Or we would do the things that we're supposed to do. And He expects that from us. And He has every reason to. We have the ability to be obedient. We're not supposed to take advantage of of God's grace. Romans 6, verse 1, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid! How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? There's, pre- there's preachers out there today that are acting like, you know, it's all about grace. It's all about grace. God wants to forgive you. God wants to give you grace. And they act like God almost wants you to sin so He can be gracious to you. No, we're not supposed to take advantage of that. God's disgusted by that. He's displeased by that. God forbid that we would take advantage of His mercy. God forbid that we would look at 1 John chapter 2 and say, hey, if we sin, we have an advocate. Hey, if we sin, I got a really good lawyer that's going to get me off with God. He's already paid for my sins. That is a terrible, terrible attitude. And, I mean, God forbid that we would act that way, that that would be our thinking. We ought to. Be obedient to God's Word. We have no excuse for being disobedient. And God expects obedience. He expects you to sacrifice whatever is necessary. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know, God expects us to be willing to give everything we have. God expects that from us. God expects us to lay down our life if it's necessary. We see many times in the Bible people who laid down their life. For the cause of Christ, didn't they? God expected that from them. God expects us to be willing to lay down our life for Him. He expects us not just to be different from the world. Okay, and that's where most people are like, okay, I'm doing good as long as I'm better than the world, then I'm fine. As long as there's something that I can point to that shows I am different than the world, then I then I'm okay. But no, God doesn't expect you to just be different from the world. He expects you to be like Him. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, oh, I didn't I didn't put it in my notes so there. Let's, let's turn over there. First Peter chapter one and verse 16, "Because it is written, "Be ye holy, for I am holy." Do y'all see that? God is holy, and He expects us to be the same way. Okay? He wants us to be like him. All well, you know, that's only that's only one verse. Well, look at first Peter chapter two and verse twenty. First Peter chapter two and verse twenty. Look what it says. It says, For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that ye should follow His steps. you all see that? We're supposed to follow in the steps of Christ. Well, what were His steps? Well, He suffered pretty bad, didn't He? And God expects us to be willing to suffer. And many people are suffering because of their own sin. And you know, if you suffer because of your own sin, there's no reward for that, is what He was saying there. But if you suffer when you didn't do anything, that's what Jesus Christ did. You know, that's acceptable to God. God is pleased with that, and He expects that from us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, we see that it says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. God expects you to be filled with the Spirit. He expects you to be in complete obedience. So understand that God's expectations are really high. And you know, and this kind of just makes me mad because I've talked to so many people. And they always, before they tell you about the sin that's in their life, they always start making these excuses and they'll say, you know, God understands why I do this. You know, God knows, He knows why I... God is never okay with sin. God sent His Son to die on the cross. He let Jesus Christ suffer and die on the cross for sin. Why? Because God is not okay with sin he is never okay with sin and if something is a sin you know god expects us not to do that and many things that people want to say are standards you know and they then they act like they're optional they're not even things that are necessarily standards where we are allowed to i guess make some they're things that are just flat out sin you know things that god specifically said you know don't do that and people are like no that's that's just a standard uh, you know, those don't really matter. No, actually, a lot of these things people are talking about are sins. And God does not expect us to sin. Thankfully, you know, He made a way we can still go to heaven, even though we do fail and mess up through Jesus Christ. But it is never okay to take advantage of that. It is never, you have no business ever trying to justify sin in your life and saying, God understands. no. You know, God understands. He understands that you're wicked. He understands that you're taking advantage of the grace of God. He understands you're turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. And He's not okay with it. And if you're His child, He's going to punish you. And if you're just continuing in those sins and you say it's no big deal, you act like it's not a sin, the Bible says you're a liar according to what we read in 1 John. And you're not even saved. And I believe many people out there, especially a lot of these preachers, acting like everything people do is okay and there's nothing wrong with it, these people are liars. They're justifying sin. They're saying things that are clearly sins are not sins. And according to the Bible, they're liars. The truth is not in them. So, um, you know, people too, whenever they feel like a church is getting too strict, they always like to throw it back like, well, you know, God understands and God's okay. I'm showing you this to show that God is a lot more strict than anyone else. Have we ever thrown anybody out of this church for sin? No. <laughs> and we've all sinned, haven't we? You know, I mean, if if you all mess up, you know, we haven't. I mean, we're not. I haven't picked on anybody. I'm not, I'm not all over your case for anything. I'm going to tell you, God is a lot more displeased when you sin than I am. You see, me being a fellow sinner, like the rest of you, you know, when you sin, it's... You know, certain things are real easy for me to look away and be like, ah, you know, I understand. Okay, but God, it's not that way with them. Okay, so just understand God's a lot more strict than I am, and God is the most fair, too. So, you know, don't try to go against clear teaching from the Bible when it comes to certain standards and say, you know what, I'm not interested in pleasing you, I'm just trying to please God. Okay, well, it's easier to please me than it is to please God. Alright? So just remember that and don't try don't try pulling any of that. But anyway, so what does the world expect from me concerning my standards? Okay? And well, the world actually expects our standards to line up with Christ's standards. I'm going to show you too. The world actually expects us, expects more from us than many Christian people do sometimes. In fact. The world's expectations of us line up with God's expectations more than most churches and pastors. See, they expect us to be like Jesus. Now, have you ever been there before where maybe you did something? Maybe you got mad at work? Maybe you retaliated a little bit? And then people who knew you were a Christian, they tried to throw your Christianity in your face right then. Don't we all love when people do that? No, we hate when people do that. Okay, But what are these people saying when you do something that a Christian wouldn't do? Hey, I thought you were a Christian. Oh really, when did Christians go around saying that we're perfect? Okay, What pastor goes around preaching to his people, don't you dare sin one time this week? You're a Christian. You're supposed to be perfect. You should never sin. What pastor has ever done that? But yet, when we sin, people like to throw that in our face. Why? Because they they know that Jesus didn't sin. They know that God's perfect, and they are. What are they doing? They're expecting us to be like Him. Now, understand that their theology usually isn't very good. You know they, uh, but you know they're. Uh, you know the world's pretty ignorant about what the Bible says, and you know they often expect the wrong things from Christians. For example, if you say anything about men having long hair. What does the world say? Well, Jesus had long hair. Okay, now we all know from the Bible that Jesus didn't have long hair, but Hollywood and you know, you know, homosexual painters from the past and all that—they may look, you know, Jesus have long hair. So people think Jesus had long hair, don't they? And so they don't see, you know, whenever we get on long hair, they're thinking, wait, we got a mixed message here. You see, the world expects our message to be the same as Jesus. And while the world has, dis- or, you, know, the, you know, Hollywood, the devil, while they have distorted the message of Jesus Christ, people still expect the same message, don't they? Whenever we do get preaching hard against sin, if we start, you know, bashing certain groups, what does the world do? Well, what did Jesus do? You know, Jesus was just all about love, okay? But actually, Jesus preached against sin quite a bit. But you're not going to see that in the Jesus movies, are you? You know they're not going to cover that stuff on the Jesus movies. They don't. They don't show those things on there. But understand what these people are really saying. They're they're expecting to hear from you the same things that they know about Jesus. And that's why we. And you know it would do us good to help get the message. You know the real message of Jesus Christ out there. You know and and it would change their expectations a little bit. But I just understand they do expect the same thing. From us. They expect us to be loving. They expect us to be kind. They expect us to be forgiving because a follower of Christ is going to do the things that Christ did. And so you know, remember, and Brother Netterville talked about this last week, in Antioch, where they were first called Christians, they were calling them Christians because they acted like Jesus. They acted like that fellow who they called the Christ and who called himself the Christ. And so they called them Christians, meaning it in a derogatory way because the things that they did is exactly what you would expect someone to do who followed Christ. And what were those things? It was the same things Jesus did. They had the same message that Jesus had. And even though their thinking was wrong as far or their attitude towards them was wrong, they had the same expectations... From Christians that God does, the world expects us to be like Christ, and so does God. So understand that what when it comes to standards, obviously God's got it right, and even the world has the right philosophy when it comes to Christian standards for Christians. They're not going to follow them. You <laughs> know you know they'll still uh, you know if you challenge them on things you know they'll mock it and criticize and everything, but they do have the same expectations when it comes to standards. And that's one of the reasons, too, you shouldn't get too freaked out about being obedient to the scriptures. And that's why, too, if your if your standard is Bible based and somebody asked you, share the scripture with them on that. I guarantee you they don't know it. I promise they didn't hear Joel, they're not going to hear Joel Osteen preach from those scriptures. They're not going to hear any of those TV preachers preach from those Scriptures concerning standards and uh, holy living and things like that. You need to share those Scriptures with them because there's a lot of people out there going to terrible liberal churches where they call themselves Christians, they call themselves followers of Christ, but they are not following His Word. They're not even close. And what they are doing is unacceptable. And we are supposed to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, it is important that we know these things, that we know the scripture on this subject. So then finally, you know, we, so we see the world, you know, God's expectation is the same, but what about the church? What does the church expect from me concerning my standards? And this is the one that we're all the most worried about, okay? What do I have to do to keep the preacher off my back? You know, what do I have to do to keep from being judged by all those Pharisees and the church? You know, what? Those, Unfortunately, we are the ones that we normally worry about pleasing. And you know what? That's a pretty sorry attitude. That's not the way it should be. If you are worried about what everybody else thinks, it's not because everybody else is a bunch of Pharisees. You're not right with God either. You've got, you're trying to please the wrong person. You are serving the wrong person. You are serving people instead of serving God. And so you know what? Not shame on everybody else. Shame on you. Now, I don't care when the world has a problem with what I do. I don't, I don't care when other Christians have a problem with what I do when I know that I'm right. When I know the Scriptures. I have plenty of areas where I disagree. Where other, I know there's other preachers that disagree with me, but I know what the Bible says about it and I, it literally does not bother me a bit when I have Scripture to back up what I believe. And especially when they don't. It does not bother me at all. And that's why you need to know the Scripture in this book. So what does the church expect? Well, first of all, it does vary from church to church, doesn't it? If you don't like what's preached here, if you think the expectations are too high here, and I promise it will never be as high as God's are, then you know what? You can find a church that has lower expectations. There's churches you can go to, you don't have to be baptized to be a member of that church. You don't have to be saved to be a member of that church. There are some churches you can go to, you can say that you're a Muslim and go to that church. I mean, it, there, you can, whatever, however low you think the expectations could be, you can find a church with those kind of expectations. You, there's places you can go, and they're not going to have a problem if you cuss. They're not going to have a problem if you drink. There are churches out there that use beer to get people into the church. I remember in LaSalle, there was a Catholic church there. that Once a year, they'd have a big beer truck come out there. And man, they had all kinds of people out there. And the church is giving people beer. What a joke! So you can find whatever you want. You can find churches where it's acceptable to be homosexual in that church. And you will have some lesbian minister get up there, and she will perform a marriage ceremony for you. So, you know, if you don't like it when you hear the truth, and if it makes you uncomfortable hearing about standards and things, I promise there is some place here in town that you can find where you will be completely comfortable. But let me tell you something: there is no way they can prove that what they're doing is good and acceptable and perfect will of God, and we ought to be able to do that. And I, you know, I I want us to do that. Over these next few weeks on these subjects that we cover, but it does. You know, it varies from church to church. What churches expect is always lower than what God and the world expect. It's all—it's always lower. You know, what do people do all the time too? You know, in churches, it's—it's amazing how we just can't win when it comes when it comes to the world and and liberal Christians. Whenever a church has to church discipline somebody and throw them out of the church. You know, them uh, as they like to call it. What does everybody say about that church? Man, that church is mean. They're legalistic. They're all a bunch of Pharisees. Why? There's nobody that's perfect. And they're going to throw somebody out of that church because of this, because of that. But then, if it gets out that somebody from this church does something really bad, somebody from this church commits some kind of crime, what does everybody say? What kind of church lets people like that in their church? How are you gonna win? You know, even the world expects us to throw certain people out. But then, when we throw people out, then they they bash us for it, don't they? I mean, you you just can't win. But we are we do see in the Bible you are supposed to keep certain people out uh, that are are living in in certain sins. But uh, but at the same time, you know, most churches' expectation from you is going to be lower than what God and even the world expect from you. Okay, and it's. It is the job of the church to help teach the standard and the standard is the is the word of God and Jesus Christ himself is the standard okay you know what standard should i go off of you know don't remember, don't go off the pastor Jesus Christ himself is the standard that is what we are supposed to shoot for that is what we're supposed to be going after so you know and while that's easy to say okay Obviously, we're supposed to be like Jesus Christ. Obviously, He's the one we're all following after. But how far am I expected to go with this? Because we'll all admit, right? That you know, we'll all admit that none of us are going to be are like Christ. None of us are going to be completely like Christ until the rapture, right? We all know that. So, once again, you know, man, we're just thrilled when we see improvement in people's lives, aren't we? It doesn't take much to please. Christians, we act like it does, but it really doesn't take a whole lot. But really, how far do I need to go? How far does Liberty Baptist Church expect me to take this holiness thing, this being like Christ? How close do I have to get? How do I know when I've reached the standard? And I'm going to show you two examples in the Bible that I think, besides Jesus... Okay, obviously Jesus Christ is the standard. He is that perfect rule. He is that perfect unit of measurement to go by and everything. But as far as men go, what could we go off of? Well, let's go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. I'm going to show you a couple things here that I think these are some actual things that we can look at. Things that we can see that will tell you when you are getting close. Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. Notice what Jesus said about John the Baptist. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Okay, John the Baptist. None born of women better than John the Baptist. We're not going to take time to look at all the scriptures about John the Baptist, but did you know that there were times that John the Baptist, people thought he was the Christ, didn't they? And there were times that people thought Jesus Christ was John the Baptist, didn't they? I mean, what a compliment right there. I've, I've done an illustration before. You know, I mean, imagine being mistaken for Jesus Christ. So here's a guy I think we could say got really close. Now, understand that John the Baptist said, I'm not even worthy to unloose a shoe latchet. He didn't. He was not as good as Christ. He was a sinner too. Jesus was mightier than he, just as John the Baptist said. John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease. But look at what Jesus Christ said about him. There was none better born of women. And people mistook mistook John the Baptist for Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ for John the Baptist. So how do I know when I'm getting close well, if people start mistaking you for Jesus, then you're doing pretty good. I haven't had that happen yet. Okay, I've never had anybody come up to me and think that I'm Jesus. And you, know, you shouldn't try to make people think you're Jesus. Okay, you know, Don't be one of these cult leaders. You know, I'm the Christ. And there's going to be that in the end times. We see that there's going to be many false Christs that are going to rise up But when people see the things that you're doing, and nobody will probably ever come up to you and say, are you Jesus Christ? Most people know better than that, especially if you're a lady. Most people aren't going to come up to you and say, are you Jesus Christ? However, it is possible we can get to the point where we are so in tune with the Holy Spirit, we are so obedient to the Holy Spirit, that people might say something, you know, were you just sent by God? You know... They they might see you know, God literally working through you in their life in an amazing way. And while they're probably not going to call you Jesus, they might think that the things that you did was actually the work of God Himself. That can happen if we're walking in the Spirit, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and obviously God will get the glory for that. We're not trying to get glory. We're not we're not going to do it. Even Jesus Christ, he always gave glory to the Father. And so, when people start seeing the works that you do, and and just convinced that you know God, you know that you were sent by God, then we're doing pretty good. All right, you know you're having a good day. Okay, you can be doing that one day, and then don't think you've arrived because you can be backsliding real quick, can't you? Like Jesus, or not Jesus, not Peter. Uh, Peter, yeah, Peter, when he said, you know, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, man, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. But, you know, God, He revealed that to you. Peter was doing real good, but then a few seconds later, you know, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> alright? So, you know, when you have that day that comes where somebody is convinced that what you did was the work of God, alright, I'm close <laughs> enough to the standard, I'm good. No, now you've got to maintain that. You've got to do that every day for the rest of your life. So, but you're, you're doing good when that starts happening, especially if it starts happening on a daily basis. And so, John the Baptist, he's a pretty good example. And then another one, too, and this is something that you can actually physically see that I believe will tell us that we're doing good, that we're getting real close. Okay? And, and I, I believe this can happen. Okay? I, I really do. I, I believe it did happen. And I believe the example is Stephen. Look at Acts chapter 6, verse 15. Acts chapter 6 verse 15 Now every time you see Stephen mentioned Stephen is always he's always being mentioned that he's filled with the Holy Ghost I mean Stephen was a was a young man who just I mean all we see about him in the Bible he's filled with the Holy Ghost He was one of these guys that man he found when when he heard the first message about you know being filled with the Holy Ghost and that you can you know walk in the spirit and you can do right and we don 't have to sin he took it serious I mean and then he he wasn 't sinning he was doing everything God told him to do when he heard about being filled with the Holy Ghost, he made sure he was filled with the Holy Ghost every day he didn 't know yet that most people in the church weren 't going to be upset with you if you weren 't filled with the Holy Ghost all the time you know he didn 't know he hadn 't figured out that most people in the church are going to be gracious and merciful to you when you do mess up and when you sin. He found out God doesn't expect me to sin. God expects me to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And so he was. He did what God told him to do. And in Acts chapter 6, verse 15, it says, "...and all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as as it had been the face of an angel." Now, I don't know this for sure, but... Some people think, man, maybe His face glowed a little bit. And one thing we see about Jesus in His glorified state, I mean, His face shines, doesn't it? When He was on the Mount of Transfiguration, His face shone like the sun. And whenever you see angels many times mentioned in the Bible, you see they're they're shining. And it's very possible that Stephen's face was literally shining. The man was just so filled with the Holy Ghost or many commentaries and things I read on it said that there was just such a peace that you could see in his face. I mean, just you know, the fruits of the spirit were just—you I mean, could see it right there on his face. A man who had no fear, a man who you know had that spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind, and he's there. And even when he's on trial, and even when he is being stoned. The man is just at complete peace in the middle of that, and I believe you can get to the point where you are so filled with the Spirit that people are going to look at you and like, "Whoa, something's different here. Something clearly is different with this person." Because you know, one thing that we all we can all see it sometimes too. We can see the worry on other Christians' face, can't we? Did you know you can come to church and you can be a worry wart and people aren't gonna be down on you too much? But are we supposed to worry as Christians? We can be discouraged, nobody's gonna get mad at you here. You know, we can be we can be down, we can be depressed. Okay? And you can see that in people's face, can't you? But boy, there are some people, men like Stephen, that he didn't have that stuff. Man, he just got filled with the Holy Ghost. He literally trusted in God. He took all those teachings all those you know you know Jesus you know he probably heard the words of Jesus that take no thought for the morrow for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient in the day is the evil thereof he so he's not worried about tomorrow he's not thinking about tomorrow man he is just filled with the spirit of God and people are looking at him and man he stood out in the crowd there is something different about this man and then look what it says in Acts 7 verse 55 after he preaches his sermon it says, or verse 54 says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Now I might be going into opinion territory right here, but I'm going to tell you what I believe was going on here. Now we know when Jesus Christ returns, the Bible says that we're going to see him. And when we see him, we are going to be like him okay the you know those when they, that see him they're going to shine like the brightness of the firmament the bible says y'all see that we are going to be just like when we see christ we literally are going to shine and stephen at this moment when he's about to die he is so filled with the holy ghost he's seeing heaven okay now you and i can't can we we're way too in the flesh all the time to be able to see heaven But Stephen at this moment, he's filled with the Holy Ghost and he he literally sees Christ. He sees Him standing on the right hand of God. In verse 57, And they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon Him with one accord and cast Him out of the city and stoned Him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul and they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, "Lord, lay not this sin to their charge." And when he said this, he fell asleep. Wow, that prayer as he's dying—that reminds me of another prayer: "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." Isn't that the? He's saying he's dying in many ways, in the same with the same attitude and the same mindset that Jesus had. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's saying, Lord, lay not the sin to their charge. And it says he fell asleep. This man was so filled with the Holy Ghost, it's like he doesn't even realize he's in pain. He does. He knows he's dying. Okay, He understands that he's dying. He understands what's going on, but it's like it's not even affecting him. And he just calls out, Lord, receive my spirit. Lord, I'm ready to go. He saw Jesus Christ. Why wouldn't he want to go? I'm ready to go right now. But this was a man who literally got to the point where he saw Jesus Christ, he, people thought He looked like an angel, thought that he, was, said he had the face of an angel, and literally nothing affected Him. When you get to that point when you can be suffering and dying and it just, it just not, isn't bothering you one bit, you're that filled with the Holy Ghost all the time, when people look at you and wonder if you are an angel, hey, you're, you're, you're doing pretty good. You're starting to get close to the standard. Guys like Stephen did it. Guys like John the Baptist did it. But guess what? This is why we don't like standards. We're scared of persecution, aren't we? And what happened to these two guys who were getting close to the standard? The very same thing that happened to the standard. Jesus Christ was put to death. John the Baptist was put to death. Stephen was put to death. Now, I'm not going out there trying to get put to death. All right? I'm not looking to get executed so I can brag I got martyred uh, anything like that I'm not I'm not looking to do that but understand when you measure up to the standard Jesus said hey they hate me they're gonna hate you too they killed me they're gonna kill you too Jesus said expect the same things to happen to you that happened to me and understand too that. This lack of standard, preaching on standards in churches today, these preachers who seem, they've manipulated the Bible and twisted it and made, you know, have successfully convinced many people we don't have to worry about standards, they are doing that because they are scared of persecution. They are terrified of persecution, but God expects that from us. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. I don't expect you to go out and get killed for your faith. We're not going. To, we don't only allow martyrs in the church. That wouldn't even make sense. Or people who've almost been martyred. You know. But you know, we, I'm not. We don't expect that. But God does. That's God's expectations. And so when when people start mistaking you for an angel or Jesus, then we're all going to think you're doing pretty good. But chances are, the world's going to try to kill you. Because you're going to start making a difference like Jesus did, like John the Baptist did, like Stephen did. You know, And people got convicted when they heard these guys preach. That's why they hated them. But most people, they have this idea that standards are optional. Most people think that it's okay for standards to vary from church to church or from family to family in the church. And there are some areas where we don't have something physical, concrete to measure up with. And we do have to use our judgment and make our own rules, but most of the things that people argue about concerning standards are people really just trying to justify sin. And we have no business doing that. We should not do that. God does not expect that from us. There is no excuse for that. God does expect some things from us. After you get saved, God does expect to see growth. The Bible talks about every man that hath this hope in him. Purifieth himself even as he is pure. Why? Because we believe we're going to be like Christ one day, we're going, to have, we're going to start working on it right now. That's what the Bible says. We're going to start working on it right now if we have that hope. And so I hope that you'll start working on that. That you'll start doing your best. As we talk about standards in the next couple of weeks, don't don't be thinking, of what I got to do to please the pastor. Keep them off my back, so I don't have to get convicted. No, we're trying to please God here, and I will never be as strict as God is. And we need we we all can do better. I don't I don't see anybody in here that looks like an angel tonight. i have never mistaken any of you for Jesus, and and I don't think you've ever done that for me either. Okay, and so uh, let's keep working. All right, let's keep trying to do better and let's see what happens. So with that, let's all stand together.